Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and what an outstanding show we have for you today, this week, we are bringing you a show from our nation's capital. We're going to be visiting with the Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, as well as the Chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, a federal advisory council that advises the Secretaries of both Agriculture and Interior. He's my good friend, Jeff Crane. Well, to get us started, our first guest, he's been with us on numerous occasions as we've discussed the important work of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, and this is where this Great conservation leader serves as president. But today, we have him wearing a different hat. One is the chairman of a very important federal advisory council that impacts hunters and recreational shooters, trappers, conservationists. Jeff Crane is the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council that advises the secretaries of agriculture and interior on important matters to to hunting, fishing, trapping, and conservation. I can tell you firsthand he's a passionate hunter and angler and I couldn't be more proud of the leadership role that he provides to our community of outdoors men and women. So please welcome back to our show, my good friend, Jeff Crane. Jeff, welcome back. Rob, great to, great to be with you, my friend. All right. I got to ask you, it looks like you were into the Red Snappers on your recent trip to the Gulf. Uh, I think you were down in Dolphin Island, Alabama. You got to tell me about those fish in that picture before we go on. Well, it, it was a special time. I got to go out with one of my great buddies that uh, we've hunted and fished together since college. Uh, but more importantly, Rob, uh, as many of your listeners know, that red snapper has been a very controversial fish uh, in terms of uh, a really a conflict between, uh, unfortunately, commercial and, and recreational days on the water and, and whatnot. And the Sportsman's Foundation has been heavily involved in that political uh uh, well, I, I call it a fight because uh, it has been. And Chris Horton led the charge from our team here with some of our colleagues. And so it was really special because uh, um, that was trending badly in terms of how many days recreational anglers were going to get out on the water. So yeah. not only did I have a special time with a good buddy and we caught fish and ate fresh fish that night, but uh, knowing that Congressional Sportsman's Foundation was there to, to fight that fight and make sure that uh, – access was still available to recreational anglers brought it full circle yeah well jeff i'm certain there's listeners out there asking themselves a federal advisory council for hunting recreational shooting trapping and conservation why don't you share with them what is the hunting and shooting sports conservation council and who does it report to so, Rob, I'm going to drop – D.C. is a great place for acronyms, and it's a mouthful on that one, so I'm just going to call it the council. Uh, but the council uh, was set up to provide recommendations to um, the federal government through both the Secretary of Interior and Secretary of Agriculture uh, regarding policies um, that benefit wildlife resources – 
that encourages those important partnerships between the public, sporting organizations, federal, state, and tribal governments, and really is there to benefit recreational hunting and recreational shooting sports. All right. Tell me about the council itself on how it was created. So former Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke, set it up uh, in 2018. Uh, and prior to that, uh, our good friend uh, Secretary Zinke had issued a number of secretarial orders, which are directives to the various agencies on some of our priorities on the hunting side of things. And so I think the thought was to have this council there, set it up so that we as members of the council could provide expertise and input uh, on those orders, expand upon those and make sure there was a, a voice inside the Department of Interior and the Department of Agriculture. You know, there's some people out there that might ask, well, you know, what is a federal advisory committee or federal advisory council? Uh, I think there's others that uh, deal with other aspects of, uh, of life beyond just hunting, fishing, trapping, uh, recreational shooting and conservation. But what is a federal advisory committee? So a federal advisory committee, Rob, um, Congress and presidents, the executive branch cre create these committees so that they can bring expertise and policy advice from individuals outside the federal government. None of us work for the government uh, on, on specific issues. In our case, it's on hunting and, and the shooting sports. Uh, and, and we look at things, everything from statutory to regulatory to grant making or other policy actions that would influence that particular uh, lane or, 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 or focus of a policy area. And again, ours, uh, as you well know, is, is, a, is a council to work really on making sure that hunters are really well represented, recreational shooters are really well represented. Look, we've got just about 45 seconds here. Just allow, I want to try to fit it in here. But, uh, you know, what can a federal advisory committee do that a, a member of the public or sportsman's group, such as the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, that, that they cannot do? So the, I, I like to view it like this. The, the public certainly can write letters. We can influence things. We can go on a comment period and, 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 and make our, our thoughts known. Where we're different on the council is almost like you're you're inside the agency. You've got a seat like the federal uh, employees that are there, but not being federal employees. But we know that our our recommendations are going straight to the secretary. So it's access, really. Rob is what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, look, Jeff, we've got a lot more to talk about. Let's move to our first break. Folks, when we return, going to continue our conversation with the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, Jeff Crane. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere, with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa, 
This 18,000 square foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, Jeff Crane. Jeff, you know, picking up where we left off there before the break, you were telling us about the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. So I want to ask, why is it important that sportsmen and women be in a position to advise the Secretaries of Interior and agriculture. Simply put, Rob, the, the federal government is the largest land owner uh, in the United States, uh, especially west of the Mississippi River, and a whole lot of our uh, uh, colleagues, constituents, folks that share the same love of the outdoors recreate on these federal lands. So it's really important to have a voice inside uh, inside the, the halls of government to make sure that those lands are managed for wildlife, that there's access for sportsmen and women. Things like migratory birds are controlled by the federal government. So we can sit inside there and talk about those kinds of, you know, sometimes down in the weeds, pun intended, technical type <laughs> stuff. But, you know, it's really important to, to making sure that, that those opportunities exist, that the habitat decisions are going in the directions that that benefit the things we like to do. Well, Jeff, we've got many people out there listening right now that are avid hunters, anglers, trappers, recreational shooters, and uh, they know that states set regulations that uh, you know they have to abide by, and they, they certainly vary from state to state. So how do the state fish and wildlife agencies sort of fit into, into this scenario? Give us, give us some thoughts there. So, Rob, you, you, you kind of you touched on it exactly. So you got the federal government that actually owns and manages the lands and the states that, that have to manage the wildlife resources. So our job on the council, uh, and it's in the charter of the council, is to make sure that there is collaboration, there's communication. The states have an ex officio member that sits on the council. Um, we want to make sure there's not conflict, that there's a way forward, that they're working together because uh, that just benefits uh, all of the sportsmen and women and what we love to do, Rob. Well, I've got to ask you then, how much time are, are sportsmen and women spending on public lands hunting, recreational shooting, and fishing? I mean, obviously, we've got vast public lands, especially west of the Mississippi, as you've pointed out, but... Uh, you know, there's, it's amazing to me how many people out there realize don't realize or take advantage of the opportunities on public land. So how much time are they spending there? Is it important? The short answer is a lot, Rob, really a lot. Uh, uh, roughly 5.3 million days hunting on BLM lands each year, 2.2 million days fishing, uh, people make upwards of 14 million hunting visits to national forests each year. Uh, they don't, uh, the agencies don't track recreational shooting visits, but uh, as many of your listeners know, 
Um, these public lands are really important for target shooting, getting those those young people, new shooters out uh, in, in, a, in an environment where they can feel less pressured, safe, but still be able to shoot. So they're critically important to, to ensuring, um, you know, ensuring that this remains open and active um, for people to use now and hopefully for people to use in the future. You know, Jeff, guys are out there, you know, getting their gun shot in they're, They want to, you know, they want to make sure they make a good, clean, ethical shot, but they're looking for places to shoot. I think there's probably some listeners out there that don't realize they're actually shooting ranges on these public lands. And uh, how would they go about finding where those might be, Jeff? Any thoughts? So that's, that, that's a great question because that's one of the things that we're continuing to work on, Rob. Um, through the council, uh, there's a there's a recreation.gov website, uh, and we have uh, we have worked to make sure that that hunting and shooting has an icon on there that you can click on. They're still building out that website, uh, but in 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 the near future, uh, we hope that that'll have a a, a giant resource to be able to click, you know, you're in Arizona and be able to click and say, here, here are my options around here. Here are formal ranges. Here are areas that are open. We really want that to be an interactive tool. And again, that's something the council is driving. Yep, for sure. Well, Jeff, as we all know, we, you know, we're blessed with an abundance of public lands in this country and not just federal, but uh, local and state. And, you know, we have these large acreages of public land that, you know, are, are managed under both interior and agriculture. Why don't you tell us about those and under whose management these are found? Sure. Um, basically, the federal government, which is we the taxpayer, we the people, uh, own approximately 640 million acres of land, which is uh, equates to about 28% uh, of the whole land mass of the United States. Now, Alaska's got um, almost 50% of that, but even still looking down into the lower 48s, uh, the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Forest Service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the National Park Service um, manage approximately 609 million acres. So um, these, by, by reporting to the Secretary of Agriculture and the Secretary of Interior, all of those lands, 95% of those federal lands, come under those two jurisdictions. So we are able to influence the most likely place that a person might hunt, fish, or recreationally shoot. You know, some people listening out there may not realize, but uh, uh, the Forest Service is actually found under the Department of Agriculture, Bureau of Land Management, uh, and our refuge system under Interior. do those agencies work together in managing these public lands, Jeff? They do, Rob. I mean, there's always room for improvement. Having them in two separate under two separate departments is is a little confusing at times, and I think uh, listeners will will probably could share many stories, good and bad, uh, about some of those. But again, I think that underscores the importance of this council because we do deal with the Forest Service over at, at Ag, and then we deal with those other agencies with the lands that they control under the Department of Interior. So I think it was really wise to, to have this council set up to report to both of the secretaries so we're hitting all the federal public lands. Yep, for sure. And I, I really think that's an important point because we can't just, you know, focus on 
one of those ages. We've got we've got to cover the whole spectrum of, of public lands. Well, look, we're going to take our next break. Folks, we return, going to continue this informative conversation with Jeff, this and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And thanks for joining us. And if you've just tuned in, we're privileged to have with us the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, who just happens to be the president of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, my good friend and hunting buddy, Jeff Crane. Well, Jeff, looking at Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, what is CSF's role in the council? So we're based here, as you know, Rob, we are based here in Washington, D.C., right down the street from the U.S. Capitol. So our organization at CSF, we work in the political arena with Congress, uh, with the federal government, with the states. Um, So I think we're uniquely positioned to understand what policy, because that's what we're talking about, our policies um, that, that are impacting things like our big game hunting upland waterfowl target shooting fishing so uh i think you know we would be a logical fit because we're doing the the work already and so having this ability to sit on that council having that direct access to the to the secretaries is really important and and we're really uh honored and and feel it's a privilege to be a part of that council well, certainly you're physically well positioned being right there in the hill. I don't think any other group, but any other conservation group that represents hunters, anglers, trappers, conservationists, any better positioned than, than what CSF is. And, you know, a very interesting positive point for sportsmen and women. Jeff, uh, what is the largest caucus in Congress? Here's one that I think most sportsmen and women don't even realize. So, Rob, there's lots of caucuses in in the United States Congress for all kinds of issues, but I'm really proud to say that the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus is the largest bipartisan, bicameral, meaning House and Senate caucus on Capitol Hill. So um, keep sending us good legislators from from your home states, and we'll we'll rally them together and make sure they're well-informed. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't just stop right there on the federal level. Just very quickly, uh, you've got some other uh, areas in in state government uh, as well. Tell us about that. 
So 15 years ago, realizing that a lot of the wildlife management decisions are made at the state level, we united uh, a network of individual state legislative sportsmen's caucuses. Now we have 49 of the 50 states, uh, over 2,500 state legislators. Uh, in those caucuses, and 10 years ago, created a bipartisan governor's sportsman's caucus. We have more than half of the sitting governors. So uh, it's a it's a really powerful tool to directly make uh, our positions known to to policymakers. So uh, that's what we do, Rob. Well, I appreciate your leadership in that area. And uh, you know, having served myself on the CSF board and and being part of, of watching what you were able to lead this uh, this organization to do is just, uh, well, it's something that was very much needed and very much appreciated. Well, looking back at the council now, uh, besides CSF, who else is on this council, on the, on the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, Jeff? So it's a great group of leaders, Rob. Um, the charter of the council broke down uh, categories for individuals to be um, considered and then appointed to the council. Um, we've got uh, upland bird and waterfowl groups. So John Devney from Delta Waterfowl, for example, Dale Hall, recently uh, retired CEO of Ducks Unlimited and former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, sits on it. The Boone and Crockett Club is represented, Rocky Mountain Elk, National Wild Turkey Federation, and then on the recreational shooting side, Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. The NRA is um, is represented there, so I think it's a really solid foundation uh, of men and women that, that represent a, a whole spectrum of, of people that uh, uh, are really knowledgeable about what's going on in their respective parts of the country and with their respective critters, if you will, and, and uh, I'm I feel like it's a really solid group. I'm, again, privileged to be part of this. Yeah. They, and, you know, I think important to our listeners, I mean, you've covered many of these conservation groups, and you know, we've got a lot of listeners that don't belong to to any group at all. And I think they need to understand, these listeners, our listeners need to understand that you know, these groups represent different elements of the hunting community. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you as chairman, I've, I've watched you in action uh, What's it like to sit there as chairman of, uh, of, of this Federal Advisory Council and bringing this talent together? What, what is that like? Rob, it's, it's, it's a, an honor uh, to do it. It's, it's exciting because they, there are so many ideas. I think the biggest challenge is to try to, try to keep the focus. Um, you know, we all get very emotional about stuff, and sometimes the, the conversation can drift. Sometimes the recommendations get a little outside of the purview of what we're supposed to do, which is, again, to advise the Secretary of Interior and the Secretary of Agriculture. And so I see my job as a little bit of herding the cats, if you will, to try to keep uh, <laughs> keep things focused on there. But, I mean, it is a very talented uh, group of individuals that, that I get to serve with. Well, what's it like uh, really advising uh, two cabinet-level position secretaries? I mean, you've got, you know, with, with – Secretary Sonny Perdue at Agriculture and, uh, you know, Secretary Bernhardt, uh, who's going to be with us here later on the show uh, at Interior. I mean, wh that's got to be uh, something special. Tell, tell us about that. So it is, you know, and we are really blessed and fortunate that both of those gentlemen are hunters, they're shooters, they're anglers. 
Um, so they, they're us. Um, so it makes the conversation a whole lot easier. Well, you know, in our last meeting, we were at the Department of Agriculture is where we had our last meeting in the spring. And, and the secretary interrupted the meeting, said, come on, guys, let's go upstairs. I want to show you my office. And he took us upstairs. And in his office, he had a he had a bull elk on his and right over his desk, and then he went into an ante room, and there was ducks and a and a turkey, and he sat there and told us a story about uh, hunting his turkey in Georgia, and it was just you know you could tell that he cared, and so well, it makes the job a whole lot easier when you got somebody that loves it like you do, that understands it, and wants to do the right thing. So it's a it's really great to have those guys there. Well, it you know it's often been said, and I'm gonna actually you know mentioned secretary bernhardt that uh, you know it's often said that passion is the emotional gasoline that carries one to higher levels of achievement and i think what you've just expressed there with with secretary purdue is that there's a passion for the outdoors there's a passion for hunting and fishing and when that passion is there it does carry us in our work to higher levels of achievement. So anyway, Jeff, we got more to talk about here in this uh, last segment with you when we conclude uh, that visit with you. And folks, there's a lot more coming up. And I'm Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And welcome back to our second half hour of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We're privileged to have with us uh, an accomplished conservation leader, a very passionate and accomplished hunter and angler, who just happens to be the chairman of the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council, my good friend, Jeff Crane. You know, Jeff, since the council's mission is fairly broad, how do you take advantage of all the talent that's represented in this council's membership? So the way the way we've decided to do it, Rob, is to create a number of committees um, to to really kind of to to look at that. That one uh, focuses the the energy into specific areas, like we've got a a hunting. Uh, committee that John Debney chairs from Delta Waterfowl. We've got a shooting committee that Larry Keene chairs from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, We've got a a wildlife conservation committee that Miles Moretti from Mule Deer Foundation chairs. And then we've got a communications and outreach committee that David Spady um, uh, chairs for us. So Using those committees, we can break down and take smaller bites at the apple. Plus, those committees uh, are allowed to meet. Um, there are all kinds of rules that, that govern a federal advisory council. Uh, they have to be noticed in the federal register when we have full meetings. The public has to have an opportunity to participate. 
Um, we can do more of the work as we build up to that and we use the actual council meetings uh, as the opportunity to bring the recommendations forward, debate them, and then decide as an uh, entire council what we're going to put forward to the secretaries. Jeff, being the chairman, certainly, you know, you've you've talked about the importance and, uh, you know, certainly the role you play, but how'd you become chairman of this council? Rob, I was fortunate enough to, to, to gain the trust of my colleagues on the council, and um, uh, they were the ones that put me in the position. So I am going to endeavor to do my best to, to fulfill that leadership, and I'm very honored to have that role. Well, you're doing a great job, and, uh, you know, I myself as an alternate member of that council, you know, I've been able to see firsthand just how you have blended that talent together. And, you know, then i got to ask you, you know, how does it fit your role back as the president of CSF. So again, as we touched on earlier in the show, since we're one located right here, um, I get to see the cabinet secretaries and the various department heads and whatnot and numerous occasions around D.C. Um, we work on these issues, so it kind of is seamlessly blended in there. And, and, uh, and so I think that it gives, uh, it gives me and it gives CSF uh, an opportunity to help, help mold that, as you said, you know, to blend that talent together, because this is all we do on a full-time basis here in, in the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Sure. Well, look, the work itself that the council is doing, how, how does the group identify the issues to, to work on for hunters and recreational shooters? That's where the, the, the individual expertise of the council members and the alternates, and we really appreciate your, your years and years of expertise on numerous uh, levels, Rob, uh, are, are invaluable. And the associations from what their, what their, their day jobs, if you will, uh, involve. And, and so uh, having people geographically dispersed, having people with different backgrounds, uh, whatnot, we can bring very specific issues from a particular piece of uh, a federal public land to broader issues on, uh, for instance, um, establishing a, a BLM shooting policy. It's it's very unclear how that policy works because they really don't have one. So we're driving right now to say, let's put something in place because we know that, you know, administrations change. We may not get the most friendly group the next time around. Let's try to lock some stuff in um, that's that's beneficial. So the, that diversity of that council uh, really makes it important in terms of identifying the issues, vetting the issues, and knowing what um, the solutions can be. And we've been very active. I think we've got somewhere north of 15 recommendations that we've submitted in, in the year and a half that we've been in existence. Uh, uh, they're in various stages of, of being worked on by the various departments and agencies. And so um, we've got a lot going on, which is really exciting. And again, um, we're going to make hay while the sun's shining, buddy. You betcha. Well, look, I know there's key issues you just talked about, uh, identifying those and working on them. The council's engaged. Uh, what What are some of those those top ones that uh, here before we run out of time? What What are you working on right now, Jeff? So, so again, I mentioned the BLM shooting policy. Um, we're working on things like the 
chronic wasting disease that concerns us all and making sure that the, the right resources are being applied towards the, the right um, things. We talked a little bit about digitizing and, and working on, on that, that recreation.gov to make that a real tool for people to know where they can hunt, where they can fish, where they can shoot, you know, um, to get more people outside on, on things. We're working on, on, uh, on qualified volunteers to, to handle some of the issues of overpopulation of ungulates on, on park service lands in particular, where we have a, a culture that doesn't like the fact that a, that a non-park service person could go in and do the same job and, and shoot an elk or shoot a deer. And, and so, as I said, there are about 15 of them, farm bill implementation, that's the, the largest private lands program on the conservation side with CRP and things like that uh, over at Department of Ag. So it's exciting. Uh, and, and, and our focus right now is just kind of keeping the thumb on things, asking constantly, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Why are we dragging our feet? Why are we hearing some of the responses that are a little bureaucratic uh, that you and I know because we've <laughs> sat on these things before and, and that culture is hard to change. So you just got to be persistent. You know, you got to be that burr under the saddle, Rob. Well, <clears throat> you mentioned that, uh, you know, administrations change. So I, the obvious question is, is the council permanent? Or in other words, can we be sure that the hunting community will be in a position to provide federal agencies with guidance beyond the next year or two? Kind of a double answer on that. Unfortunately, <laughs> this council is not permanent. Uh, they can renew that charter, which we're going to encourage them to do. Uh, that's that's answer number one. Answer number two is some of these councils can be established in a permanent uh, basis. That takes an action, uh, an act of Congress. Um, we have we wearing my CSF hat um, have dropped legislation repeatedly uh, to formally establish this caucus um, or I mean this council uh, and and Rob that has not successfully gotten through uh, Congress but we're continuing to push on that. Meanwhile, we're just gonna you know keep encouraging the cabinet secretaries that they need us um, that we're constructive partners that. We're trying to do the best for our federal public lands uh, and for sportsmen and women. So we're gonna we're gonna keep pushing away. But yeah, right now this council this council is not permanent, Rob. Well, look, Jeff, we're out of time, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time here today. More importantly, you're dedicated and and your outstanding leadership on the hill, representing the important interests of hunting recreational shooting, angling, and conservation. Folks, we return, going to have with us the Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and this is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? 
Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we are back. And thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we are now privileged to have with us the 53rd United States Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt. For those of you not acquainted with Interior, you know, the Secretary oversees such agencies as the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Geological Survey, the National Park Service, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And as a member of the President's Cabinet, Secretary Bernhardt has been a powerful and a common-sense voice for sportsmen and women, conservationists, and all Americans that use our nation's public lands. So without any further ado, I want to welcome the 53rd Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt. Mr. Secretary, welcome to Outdoor World Radio. Well, thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Well, I've got to say this. There's a quote that I've used so many times, and I think it fits here. It's been said that the passion, that passion is the emotional gasoline that carries one to higher levels of achievement. You have that passion for the outdoors as a hunter and an angler. Just share with our listeners about the passion, that love you have for the great outdoors. Well, you know, um, I started... um, uh, hunting and fishing at an, at an incredible age of, um, you know, probably three or four, to be completely honest, <laughs> uh, in terms of the fishing side. Um, so there's never been a time in my life where um, access to public lands, um, the utilization of uh, public lands for recreation, um, the importance of uh, uh, fishing game uh, conservation has not been um, a, a, a factor in my life. And I grew up in a small community in western Colorado, where um, uh, hunting, particular deer, particularly deer and elk season, had a huge impact on our community in a positive way. And so um, I've been around um, uh, the, the outdoors, public lands, and, and wildlife management for re- really since I can remember. My grandfather, uh, 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 you know, taught me to fish. Uh, uh, I at a very, very young age, and um, we were out fishing uh, last weekend, my wife and I. Well, you know, you've made it a priority of opening and expanding hunting and fishing access on lands that are managed by Interior and, and its bureaus. You've made that a priority. Tell us about that work that, that you've been engaged in. Well, one of the great things about our country is that we have uh, spectacular uh, public lands, and people forget that um, you know the, the real conservation work um, on wildlife and, frankly, on uh, many of our public lands originated with uh, the hunters of, uh, of of yesteryear, and and they realized that we needed to have sustainable. Um, game management and population uh, management. They also realized that they they needed to have um, habitats um, protected. And that's what led to the creation of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the the Refuge Service. It led to the creation of state game management uh, entities. And it even led to the creation of uh, things like our great national parks. And, um, you know, the duck stamp, uh, between the duck stamp and um, the Pittman-Robertson Act, that funds a great majority of wildlife conservation measures in addition to uh, state uh, wildlife licensing uh, programs. And so 
you know, hunting and fishing conservation starts there, but it also starts with um, ensuring that people have access uh, to land so that they can go uh, hunting and fishing. I grew up in a situation that was not, um, my family was not affluent in any way, shape, or form, and yet I had the ability uh, to walk onto public lands um, and uh, take advantage of recreational opportunities. As a matter of fact, some of the same recreational opportunities that folks like uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Roosevelt had taken advantage of, and and that's critical. Uh, it's critical that we uh, maintain that public access and expand it. So one of the things we've been doing is looking at our lands and saying, okay, how are we managing these lands in conjunction with the state uh, where they're in as it relates to um, public access? And we're really, we will probably have expanded. Um, opportunities for hunting and fishing um, or open new areas of hunting and fishing cumulatively together to over 1.4 million acres, which is really a phenomenal um, amount of land. Um, And that's just in the Fish and Wildlife Service in the refuge system. We're also expanding um, every time we buy a piece of property or exchange a piece of property or sell it as part of our BLM programs, we ask, what is the impact on hunting and fishing access? Um, and so that is, that is a huge component of ensuring that folks have an opportunity to get out there and enjoy um, recreational activities of all sorts um, uh, stri- and stripes. Um, and secondly, the other thing we've really been working on is to line up our regulations with state regulations mm-hmm. for hunting and fishing and other things so that they're less complex. I don't think you ought to need a lawyer to decide whether you can <laughs> hunt or fish at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, right? You're and exactly so we're, right. And so we're really, we're lining those efforts up and we have, we've now in the Fish and Wildlife Service for the first time in a really long time, we have permanent folks in every region that are designed to work specifically on um, on facilitating uh, hunting access, facilitating fishing access, and facilitating these recreational opportunities. We call them our hunt and fish chiefs, and, and we'll be broadening that to other um, areas. And then the, finally, the thing we're really trying to do is be good neighbors with our states, because our states really have a, uh, a very significant, important, maybe even arguably the most important role uh, in wildlife management, and we want to make sure that we're uh, working with them in a way that is um, neighborly and collaborative, and we've had, we've had great growth in that area of strengthening relationships. So I have some great people working at the department, and we're making those things a priority. Well, you really are. Well, look, we got to take our final break of the show, but uh, hold that thought because we return. We're going to continue this visit right here with the United States Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there inside us. That need that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy. 
with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop, and you'll feel it. Listen, and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We've been having a wonderful and an educational visit, an inspiring visit, with the 53rd Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt. Mr. Secretary, uh, you've, you've put a premium on addressing the maintenance backlogs for interior bureaus, uh, you know, which means addressing this backlog of our refuge system and our national fish hatcheries. Tell us a little bit about that. You guys are making some great headway there. Yeah, so, um, you know, just like uh, uh, any anything else, um, over the last uh, several years, um, the 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 maintenance that needed to be done on our facilities um, at refuges at uh, the national parks uh, those those um, uh, efforts have have at times been uh, overtaken by um, whatever the need in the moment was and then as a result we have some infrastructure that is literally crumbling I've seen I've seen buildings uh, in the park service where it's a cinder block building uh, but there's actually hardly any grout between the cinder blocks because it's falling out over time and you yeah. can see right through it and you know what that um that has a tremendous impact on uh, the services that we're able to provide uh, people, the experience that people have, and you know we need to take care of what we have. And so we have um, we have proposed um, that uh, Congress establish a uh, a fund uh, that we could utilize to um, enhance um, uh, the infrastructure in our uh, national wildlife refuges, in our uh, national parks and even uh, even on our our BLM grounds because we just need to uh, step up to the plate and 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 resolve these issues. I was here uh, at the Department of the Interior in the early 2000s and we thought we had a big problem. And when I came back, um, uh, you know, uh, 18 years later. Um, it turns out that the problem is uh, actually even much, much bigger today than then, just because people haven't uh, focused on it. And so we have a proposal. We're working with Congress to get the Congress to support our uh, plan um, to um, make this investment in the infrastructure of our club, of our public lands um, that we need to take care of. And I have to tell you, in, uh, in all candor, uh, there seems to be a lot of support um, on the Hill on from both political parties uh, to want to get it done in a way that's positive. And, you know, you know that they had um, in Congress, they had uh, some great success on legislation regarding uh, public lands um, mm-hmm. on a major public lands bill earlier in the year. And so we're hoping that they can build on that success. And we're working with them to try and uh, push that initiative over the goal line so that our folks can have uh, wonderful experiences when they um, when they come. Uh, to Absolutely. They certainly are treasures. Well, you know, looking at the deregulatory actions of Interior since President Trump took office, you know, your agency has saved billions of taxpayers' dollars. Tell us about some of those actions that have resulted in saving dollars of the American public. 
Well, you know, we've really, um, what we've really done is we've looked at um, how can we better serve the American people? And the president, um, you know, the president uh, was very clear that, hey, we need to, we need to um, move to a, a place where um, we maintain our uh, standards for health and safety and protection of the environment, but that we try and do things in ways that are, uh, that are better. And so we've actually, um, for the entire government, uh, the Department of the Interior in 2017 and 2018 was number two and three um, in, in those respective years of, uh, for the whole government of delivering regulatory savings um, mm-hmm. to um, America. And, and the, the work cumulatively by the administration is, is really significant. I think it's um, approximately uh, right around $2,500 of savings per family just in deregulatory uh, actions um, government-wide. And, you know, what we're seeing is um, we're seeing the results of that. I mean, when you look at where the economy is right now, we have historically low unemployment. I mean, um, you know, it's 3.7%. Wages are growing um, at, in a very significant way annually, and businesses continue to hire. And, um, you know, strength of the economy um, is helpful in, in um, affecting um, the uh, recreation industry, obviously. Um, you know, we had 318 million visitors at our national parks last year. And um, that, you know, represents about a $40 billion economic uh, impact and maybe, you know, all the way up to 329,000 jobs. Um, wow. You know, 56. 53 million people visited the nation's national wildlife refuges, and that just by itself had an impact of about 3.2 billion on local economies. And these are big, big, um, big numbers, and they show that things are going pretty well. You know, there's uh, there's always more to do and and more to make things better. But it's it's it, we're we're in a very important important and incredible period of time, and um, and you know we we can take some of that um, good stuff that's going and maybe invest back into our public lands a little bit. Well, you're doing a tremendous job. We're just about out of time, but I just want to say thanks for the priority that you've made to recover and delist species so they can be placed back under the management of the states. And uh, in the final 10 seconds, is there one word before we close out the show you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I just want people to know that we are committed 100% to maintaining our public lands, improving our public lands, and keeping our public lands public. And that is that is my number one priority. Now you're doing that. Well, Mr. Secretary, thanks for being with us today. Congratulations, and thanks for your leadership on the important work and the numerous achievements in promoting good stewardship of America's natural resources. Your experience, your knowledge, your inspiration has given so much to advance hunters, anglers, recreational shooters, conservationists. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call, that call to conservation and preserving a rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.